Welcome on in to the JR Sport Brief Show. Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Thursday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your night right here on CBS Sports Radio. The NBA is back. It's it's felt like forever. In part because the last time we saw technically, and we're stretching, that word technically, an organized basketball game, it was the All-Star game where guys were half-assing it, no one really cared, and it was one big joke. Now, we finally get some real basketball that players do care about, loaded slate tonight, some big games, and it had me thinking, now that basketball is back, and I know it's not the halfway point, right, but the All-Star break is kind of like the line of demarcation where now all of a sudden post-All-Star break, it's like, okay, now it's the home stretcher. Now it's like where you really start to kick it into gear, and now you start having your sights on playoff seating, making the playoffs, and positioning yourself to make a run to the finals. And when I look at right now the rest of the league, like, if the Denver Nuggets don't win the finals this year, I think it's a massive failure. I don't see anyone else that's on that level. I don't see anyone else come playoff time that's going to knock them off. If you have a team, if you think there's a team right now that absolutely can give Denver a run for their money and beat them in the playoffs or in the finals, 855-212-4227. I want to hear who. Because I've been doing a lot of looking. I can't find one. This is going to be Denver's year to repeat. They, I think, are going back-to-back. Because the Nuggets have, I think, the three things you need to win a championship. Talent, experience, great coaching. Very simple. They obviously have the talent. I would put right now Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray is one of the best one-two punches in all of the NBA. Obviously, Aaron Gordon, as well as some other key pieces around uh, around them are huge in terms of rounding out that starting five um, for Denver. You have that experience. I mean, you won the championship last year, right? <laughs> what more experience than you need, and especially since the starters are all back. You lose two key uh, bench pieces, which is a loss, but again, would you rather lose bench pieces out, uh, off a championship, or would you, would you rather lose two starters? I know my answer, and I think I know your answer as well. So Denver has the talent, has the experience. They have a great coach of Michael Malone. They are unbeatable at home, best record in the West at home, 21-5. and five. And when you look at their starting five, again, the same starting five that won the title last year. This year, they're 24-8 and eight when healthy and playing together. 75% win percentage. Not bad. Not too shabby when those starting five guys are playing like they will for the majority of the postseason, obviously assuming that um, health is all there. Talent, check. Experience, check. Great coaching, check. Nuggets, check all three boxes to win the finals. What other team checks those three boxes? I'll save you the time. No one does. I can't find another team in the NBA right now this year going down the stretch run that has a combination of talent, experience, and great coaching that can get themselves over the hump and beat the Nuggets. Which is why I think Denver is repeating. And if they don't, I think it's an upset. I think it's a massive disappointment if Denver does not go back-to-back. And you look at right now the rest of the West. Minnesota's in first place right now. I don't trust Minnesota come playoff time. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Carl Anthony Towns is not a, a playoff clutch caliber guy that I think you can rely on. 
And I think you're seeing it at, at times and at spurts here as well with this team. They lack maturity. And that's going to be problematic come postseason time. You could get through with it in the regular season, and they have a lot of talent to do so. But come playoff time, I think when you that's when really kind of you see that lack of maturity really flare up and really be a detriment. Anthony Edwards, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, like, I don't think they have that championship mindset you need come playoff time just to bear down, grit your teeth, and fight through it. I think I don't think they have that. Add in Rudy Gobert, who's been, you know, we've seen him and his struggles in the postseason uh, plenty of times. I don't trust Minnesota whatsoever um, come playoff time. I think Oklahoma City is too young. I love their talent. Shea Gilgis Alexander as a Knicks fan is one of my favorite non-Knicks players to watch. Uh, in the league, he's awesome. I love the way that I know it, you know you had a few lean uh, lean years there, but I do like the way de- uh, the Thunder have gone about building their roster. But now is it really putting it together? I know they had the the playing experience last year, but I mean now you're a top four seed. I just I think they're too young. I don't think they have the requisite experience they need to go deep in the playoffs. And I'm worried about down low the front court. I mean, who's guarding Jokic? Chet Holmgren is. Fun, he's also as thin as a needle. I think he's seven feet, like 150 pounds. He's in trouble trying to slow down Jokic and all his uh, all his talent and all his size. So I don't think Oklahoma City is big enough or experienced enough right now to take down Denver. The Clippers are the team that I think has the best chance to knock off Denver in the West. But with that said, look, I have taken an oath. And unlike... Others, I am going to live and swear by that oath where I'm not going to break my promise. I have made a promise to myself, and in doing so, I'll make a promise to you. I will never, ever believe in a team with James Harden on it come playoff time. I know Harden's not the number one guy in LA. I get that. And I get, after a very slow start, they have been one of the best teams in the league with James Harden in the lineup. With that said... The playoffs are a different monster. This guy is a quitter. James Harden is a quitter. And you see that rare, it's ugly head in the postseason time after time. As someone who, especially with the Rockets, has gotten burned badly by James Harden. Where I believe in them, think they're going to beat the Warriors and get let down because James Harden's in the midst of missing 30 shots in a row. I promise myself, I will not do it. I moved off that promise for one game last year where I thought game seven, the Sixers were going to go to Boston and win. Now, I know, I mean, Harden was not good, but the story out of that game was Embiid and how bad he was. But Harden did himself no favors in game seven. So I'm done. Kawhi is great. Paul George is solid. I like Ty Lue as a coach. James Harden. I can't do it. I think the Nuggets are better as a team overall. But now also you add in the James Harden factor. For me, no go. I can't actually sit here and tell you I believe the Clippers are going to get past the Nuggets. I don't believe that. I'd be lying to you if I said otherwise. The Suns should be in this caliber of being able to beat the Nuggets. Their problem is, though, they doubled down on their biggest issue last year. Like, you look at the the second-round playoff loss to Denver last year. Phoenix didn't get bounced in the playoffs because they didn't have star power. They got bounced in the playoffs because all they had was star power. They had Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, nobody else. 
no contributions from the bench, no contributions from the other three guys in the starting lineup. And the, the, the game plan for Monty Williams last year was this. Kevin, go play a career game. Devin Booker, go play a career game, and let's hope he can win. Let's just hope. And when those guys were not elite, Phoenix didn't win. So instead of filling out the rest of the lineup, getting a stronger bench, getting some good role players you can plug around Booker and around KD to make the entirety better where you're not relying on two guys to carry you, Phoenix instead of what? Double down and traded for Bradley Beal. I hated that move. That's not the answer. Adding an oft-injured Bradley Beal to now try to become a three-headed monster of Booker and KD is not the answer to defeating Denver. Your bench still stinks. Your depth outside of those three guys is not very good. They doubled down on their own mistake. And now, because Beal is hurt, missed, what, the first 20 games of the season, you have that trio having played together only 22 games. You look at this Denver team, Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., like these guys, Aaron Gordon, they've played a lot of basketball together. They're not just talented. They have synergy. They have chemistry. They were a very well-oiled machine. That's part of the reason why they breezed through the playoffs last year. They're not just talented. They're connected. They're together. Suns are as disjointed as could be. One night KD's out. Another night Booker's out. Then Beal's out. Playing only 22 games with 30 left, and they are not going to play all 30 games together. I guarantee you that. You are now going to double down, bring, bring in Bradley Beal, and then not have them play a lot together. Still be trying to work out the Kings come playoff time. That is not a recipe for success. Suns, Clippers, Thunder, Wolves. I don't see anyone beating them. I don't see anyone right now going into Denver and winning. So I think that right now, bare minimum, Nuggets winning the West guaranteed. And then in the finals, like, who's beating them? I know what you're going to say. I know. Let's hear. Let's, let's say the name together, Ryan. Three or... Let's say the name together. I don't know why I said Ryan. Three, two, one. Celtics. Ryan, how can you not include the Celtics? Look, I have... At the Celtics, to me, at this point, they have lost the benefit of the doubt. If they're going to win a finals, they got like, I'm not going to pick them to win the finals. They have to win it first before I start to believe in them. Each and every year we're talking about, this is the year the Celtics are going to break through. This is the year their loaded lineup with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and at times Marcus Smart. Now they bring in Kristaps Porzingis. They got a great bench. They shoot the three uh, amazingly. They're going to have the number one seed in the East again. Every year we're talking about Boston, Boston, Boston. This is the year. This is the year. They are missing that championship DNA. Like they are missing that killer instinct that I think championship teams need that they don't have. I don't know if it's because Jason Tatum's too nice. Part of the problem is Jason Tatum is way too much of an enigma in the playoffs. For how great of a player he is, right? Top 10 player, top five MVP vote getter um, again this year. He's too inconsistent. He's too much of a, I'll drop 40 in one game and then have 13 in another. And 35 in one game, and I'll have nine points. He fluctuates way too much. There's no consistency or not enough consistency in the playoffs for you to truly believe that Jason Tatum right now at this point in his career can lead the Celtics to a championship. 
We know Jalen Brown's troubles with turnovers. And also, the Celtics have not, they've not learned from their issues from last year. And they were a team that relied so much on the three, where if they were hitting it, they were unbeatable. But if they were missing it, they could not beat anybody. They couldn't beat a high school JV team if they were not hitting 40% of their threes. So when you have, only, despite having talent, and despite having guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who can get points in different ways, they are so reliant on the three ball again where they struggle to win games if they can't hit the three. Part of that is on coaching, which is a big concern still. I can sit here and tell you that Joe Mazzu was a better coach now because he, you know, got to the Easter Conference Finals last year. I still don't trust him. I still think Michael Malone runs circles around him. So I'm not on the Celtics. I'm not sitting here and telling you the Celtics are going to go to the finals or win the finals. If they match up with the with the Nuggets, give me Denver in five. Boston, yeah, they to me, they have not earned the benefit of the doubt to, to be believed in to win a championship. And as I say that, ironically, I'm looking at a bet MGM commercial. They're the betting favorite. 265, Denver's in second place, plus 400. Sucker bet. If you want to put money down right now in the Celtics, God bless you. I don't know how you can do it and feel good about it. Kings of the regular season, way too inconsistent come postseason. So I'm not believing in the Celtics. Bucks, I mean, could we call it a lost year? I want to hit on this more tomorrow for Friday show as I'm in for JR again um, to close out this week. It won't happen, but I want to make the case why the Bucs should fire Doc Rivers. He's been awful. He has not helped this team whatsoever, and it's clear there are real chemistry issues right now between Dane, between Giannis, between the rest of this team. I don't think these last 30 games you are seeing a difference. You are going to iron out these problems and go into the postseason playing your best basketball. This season is over. It's a lost year for the Bucs. I don't think they'll actually turn it around. I think this year, number one, is already a wash. Sixers, even if MB comes back, I don't trust them still in big games. Knicks, love them. Um, they've been a great story this year so far. They don't have enough front court depth or talent to slow down Jokic and the size that Denver has. Um, they're also banged up, and it looks like. I mean, this is not official, but you listen to Julius Randle speak. Separate his shoulder it seems like he's going to need surgery. And surgery is going to mean the end of the year. And that's a big loss for the Knicks right now. So they are right now getting wiped out by injuries. No OG Ananobi, no Mitchell Robinson, no Julius Randle. Knicks are playing well, but right now injuries are a big factor going forward where if they win the East, I don't think they're going to have enough to beat Denver. So when you look around the rest of the league right now, tell me who's beating Denver. Tell me right now who is better than the Nuggets. And when I sit here and say that it's Denver's championship to lose, if they don't win it, it's a disappointment. Tell me which team you think makes that statement incorrect. Which team should be in the same breath in terms of championship contenders as the reigning champs in the Denver Nuggets? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. I think Denver's winning. That is my pick. They're going to go, I think, back-to-back for the first time since the Warriors did so in, what was that, 2017, 2018? Um, If I'm wrong, let's just say, Denver gets knocked out in round two, Western Conference Finals, losing the finals. 
massive disappointment. It would be the biggest disappointment in the NBA since, I'll tell you on the other side, Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. I think right now is the NBA. It's Ryan Hickey, by the way, in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. I think right now as the NBA resumes and kind of this is the stretch run unofficially as we get set for or start to gear up for the postseason, I think right now if the Denver Nuggets don't win the finals, it's a massive upset. It's a disappointment if they don't go back-to-back in large part because of how good they are and also because I just don't look at another team right now around the league that is championship caliber, which is why if the Nuggets don't win the title this year, I think it's the biggest disappointment since the Miami Heat in the first year, the the big three, when they lost to Dirk and the Mavs in 2011. No business losing that series. They were the way more talented team. I think LeBron and co. are still stunned. Like, if you give LeBron truth to and say you, you can get one championship back, I guarantee you that's the title he picks to get back um, and play over or have that turn into a win. That's the one that got away. I think... We haven't really had a big-time upset in terms of a great team not winning a championship since. And the only other team I could think of is the Warriors in the final year, KD, but that was also in a series against the Raptors where KD, we know, eventually blew out his Achilles, but was limping um, for most of the playoffs, and Clay towards ACL. Warriors were just diminished by the end and just were grounded, uh, run into the ground, I should say. So I think in the last, this would be the biggest upset in terms of a team not winning a championship this year in 13 years. If Denver is not the one hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy for the second time in two years. If you disagree, tell tell me which team here. Which team are you looking at in the East or the West? Clippers, Celtics, you think that could actually give Denver not only one for their money, beat them in the postseason. I don't think there's a team. And you know who also doesn't think there's a team? Michael Malone, who met with the media as they get set to restart the season. And he was asked with, the, with Denver right now in fourth place, how much of a concern is it, or I should say, how big of a priority is it for you to get that number one seed going to the postseason? Here's the Nuggets head coach's answer. When our starting unit plays, uh, I think our record is like uh, 24 and 6. A 75% winning percentage. So that to me is most important is going into the playoffs, having our starting five healthy and ready for the load that's going to be placed upon them. As you get to the playoffs, the rotation shrinks and you play guys heavier minutes. So I think having home court in the first round is very, very important. I think having a healthy team going into the postseason is very important. And if we happen to be the one seed, that, that's just a cherry on top. But we're not going to put all our cards in just to attain that and risk being healthy uh, for a very deep playoff run. He's 100% right. And that's the confidence of the coach telling you, we don't need home court to win. We are the best home team in the West. It don't matter. If we're healthy, if our starting five, that you just heard him say, has won 75% of their games last year, same starting five that won a championship last year, as long as they're healthy. As long as they are there at full strength, right of the play, who's beating them? Home or away? Doesn't matter. And you know what? I think Michael Malone is 100% right. He knows what I know. As long as they're healthy, no one is beating Denver. Adam Powers does chime in on YouTube. You can watch the show today and tomorrow 
on our CBS Sports Radio YouTube account. Live stream right there if you want to visually enjoy uh, CBS Sports Radio. And Adam Powers does chime in on the chat. Come playoff time, only thing you you could take away from Denver is their depth. But even then, they run their starters most of the of the game anyway. So their starting lineup, no one's going to beat them. That's it. Like that's Adams, one hundred percent right. The only thing right now you can knock Denver for is their depth. Losing Bruce Brown was a big L. He was a tremendous player for them um, in the postseason last year. He's also a sixth man off the bench. And again, like we kind of talked about before, would you rather lose a sixth man off the bench? Or a key starter in your top five, starting five? The answer is obvious. And as you know, come playoff time, right? Rotations shrink. Starters play, you know, 40, 41, 42 minutes. So now the time that your bench is on the court, uh, now that the time your bench is on the court, I should say, is minimal. So even though that Denver's bench has gone down, you're talking about having them play for five, six, seven minutes a game. With the starting five, that is still one of the best in the league. You are more than good. More than okay. Matthew Wilson chimes in as a Celtics fan. Ryan, all I'm going to say is this is set up for them to fail this year, playing like world beaters, but that doesn't matter once the playoffs start. And that's the thing with, that's the thing I don't, I can't figure out with the Celtics, especially with Jason Tatum. Another great year from him. Again, another he's going to finish in the top five in the MVP voting. Um, a guy who's not afraid to tell ESPN that he thinks he's the best player in the league. Not afraid to say at All-Star Media Week and that he could be the next face of the league. But yet, come playoff time, he's way too up and down. He could have a 50-point Game 7 performance, and then all of a sudden, the next game, shoot 3 of 20 from the field. If you want to, If you truly want to believe and think you are the face of the league or the next face of the league, which I don't think, it's a whole different discussion if I actually think that he believes that, if he's just saying that just to sound, you know, like he feels like he has to say it. But you can't be that inconsistent. You can't be that much of an enigma. Now, the Celtics have gone deep in the postseason, have gone to the finals recently, but they've not gone over the hump in part because they're way too inconsistent. And I don't think Joe Mazzulla does a, a good enough job at, at getting the most out of them and they are a team that, again, I don't understand why they get into this habit, but the last two years they've gotten to this habit of we're going to live and die by the three. They're way too talented and have different ways to beat you than just, oh, we're going to shoot the threes until we make them, uh, and if we don't, we're screwed. Going into the playoffs as a one-trick pony almost never works. The game plans are different. The intensity is different. And if you don't have multiple ways to win... You're in big trouble. You are screwed. And that's what it feels like with Denver. They have plenty of ways to beat you. The Heat we saw could beat you different ways. Clippers could beat you different ways. Like There are plenty of teams right now that are multi-talented that have different areas in which they can win a game come postseason time. That's not been the case with Boston the last two years. That's another reason why I think, unfortunately for Matthew, is as a Celtics fan, why I can't sit here and tell you that the Celtics are a real threat to beat Denver. Which is why I feel comfortable in saying right now as we get ready for the home stretch of the NBA season, I think it's Denver and everybody else. Doesn't matter if they're the one seed, two seed, three seed, four seed. You heard Michael Malone say it. As long as they're healthy, as long as that's starting five, 
that has dominated when they've been healthy and all playing together this year, coming off a championship last year, as long as they are healthy, there's no one that's beating him. I'm putting those words in his mouth, but he basically said it when he was not focused on getting home court advantage in the postseason, getting that one seed. He was more focused on health. Because he knows what I know, and I think most part of the league knows. As long as they're, uh, as long as they're healthy, no one's beating Denver. 855-212-4227. If you think there's a team right now that could push Denver, beat them. That it's not just a, a one team is going to win the finals or actually is an open race to the championship. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts on that and also when we return. We said the NBA is back. Tonight was supposed to be a marquee matchup between the Lakers and the Warriors. One problem, no LeBron James. I have a problem big time, actually, with LeBron sitting out tonight. I'll tell you why when we do return. Ryan Hickey in for JR Sport Brief right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on this Thursday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday right here. We're just about... 90 minutes or so, two hours away from Lakers, Warriors, getting set to kick off the stretch run of the season here. No LeBron James out for tonight's game against Golden State. This is a really bad look. I think this is a really bad look for LeBron, um, not because it's a national game, not because it's the first game out of the break, or because you're facing a team in the Warriors that you guys are very bunched together in the standings with, and this game is a massive one now to create some separation. I think this is a really bad look because you played in the All-Star game. Like, I don't think you can play in the All-Star game and then sit out the first game in the break. That's horrendous optics. I think it make it looks like, or making it look like your priorities are out of whack. I'm sorry. That's that's awful. If I was a Lakers fan, I would be pissed. I would be really, really pissed right now that in the first game back of a stretch run here where you were really trying to play your way out of the play-in, and if you were truly trying to make a you know make another run like you did last year to the Western Conference Finals, you're going to need to get out of the play-in, uh, get out of the play-in first and foremost. And so this is a massive game. And the fact that LeBron is out for an ankle injury that's legit. It's not like he, you know, he's faking it. It's not like he got hurt in the All-Star game. But clearly that ankle was feeling good enough to play on Sunday. Why is it now all of a sudden not good enough to, to even get just a few minutes on the court against Golden State? I think it's horrendous optics. Like for me, for someone like, look, LeBron, right, takes, we you know how good of, of care he takes to... Um, to his body. But this is a guy that missed the last game of the break against the Jazz because of an ankle injury. He got to All-Star Weekend late on Sunday because he was claiming that he was rehabbing his ankle and getting as much treatment as possible. You played 14 minutes in the All-Star game, throwing down a few dunks. Ankle seemed fine enough there. Good enough to play there. I know everyone's half-assing it, but still, you're getting up, throwing down, landing on the ankle. If you're not healthy enough to finish out the break or finish out, you know, the lead into the break and you have to miss the last game against Utah, 
if you're not healthy enough to start the the break, coming off the break, I should say, against Golden State, like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have played in the All-Star game. I think this this absence is a lot easier to digest if you're a Lakers fan if LeBron did not step foot on the court in the All-Star game. I think it's a bad look that right now you are playing and then now so now you can't. Too hurt. And that, I'm for someone that was not even surprised that the All-Star game lacked intensity. But especially if that's the case. If it's not going to be a game. Like, at that point, what are you even giving the fans? Like, if you want to say internally, well, Ryan, he owes it to the fans that are there. Put on the show. He's jogging. No one's around him. He jumped a few times, but he was never going to actually seriously hurt his ankle anymore because it's a glorified shoot-around. Then if that's going to be the case anyway, right, where no one's going to try, where there's not going to be a, a real game or actual intensity, then what's the point of going out there in the first place? How is going out there for any amount of time beneficial? Sitting on the bench, waving to a few fans, you could have the same sentiment. Fans could have said they were in the same building as LeBron. And that would have been good enough. But playing 14 minutes, missing the last game before the All-Star break, now missing the first game out of it, it's a really bad look. There's a lot of bad optics surrounding that. And it looks like LeBron is putting the All-Star game and those festivities and the praise he gets from that game ahead of this Lakers season. I can't, I don't know how to take it any other way. And if you want to tell me, well, Ryan's a back-to-back, he's missed a few back-to-backs before, he'll be back tomorrow against San Antonio, that might be the case. But then also I ask you, well, why can't you flip the days? Because if you truly want to maximize right now LeBron's abilities on the court, and if you're only working with a limited amount of games, don't you want to make the games that he's out there count? Like, the Spurs are awful, right? Even with Wembenyama, this team stinks. LeBron, no LeBron. Lakers are going to win that game tomorrow night. You guys feel pretty good about your chances of beating San Antonio. So why not play LeBron tonight, rest him tomorrow, and try to sweep the series, uh, sweep the, the back-to-back? Because I don't think the Lakers are going to win tonight. It's a lot more difficult to win this game without LeBron against the Warriors than it is going to be to win without LeBron against San Antonio. So if you want to kind of play that game, I think you're better served than playing LeBron tonight, resting him tomorrow night, versus the other way around. But if you're healthy enough to play 14 minutes in an All-Star game, I think it's bad optics right now that LeBron can't play. I, If I was a Lakers fan, I'd be very upset. I'd be very upset and start to question the priorities um, of where LeBron is at. Speaking of priorities, we've talked a lot of college sports today, um, specifically college football. But I do want to mix in one college basketball point. Because this has happened a lot, and I don't understand it. College sports continuously tries to to cut itself off at the legs. Here's the latest example. Last night, a great basketball game between LSU and Kentucky. Kentucky on the road, number 17 uh, Wildcats facing an unranked LSU team. LSU, I mean, what a hell of a win. If you missed the game, uh, boy, you missed a lot. 
Great buzzer beater, a lot of back and forth, some Kentucky shots that just were miracles that went in. But basically the game ends. LSU is down by one. Their ball in their hand, clock is ticking. They drive to the hole, try for a layup. The shot is blocked. In midair, the LSU player whose shot was blocked catches it, basically just throws a Hail Mary, just toss it into the middle of the lane. An LSU player jumps up and in, in the process of jumping up, catches it, throws it towards the hoop, drains it as the clock runs out. LSU wins, um, wins by one. They upset Kentucky. An awesome scene down there in Baton Rouge. And then, of course, as well, the fans, as they do, storm the court. And you know what happened? You know what came down the pike today from the SEC? A fine. A fine for LSU for storming the court. Trying to prevent it. They do this in football as well. After Tennessee last year, all their fans stormed the field after Tennessee football beat Alabama. Can we stop trying to take away what makes college sports so special? Court rushing in college basketball is awesome. It's part of what makes college sports special. You don't have, in any NBA game, fans rushing the court after an upset win. There's not that sheer sense of pandemonium after your team wins a game no one thought it would. But yet, college sports continuously tries to take away what makes it so special. The atmosphere, the students, the, the, the camaraderie, the, the joy in the building. That your team has after they upset a, a, a you know a ranked team, let them rush the court. Like we could talk about making sure they do it safe. We can make sure that there's no Caitlin Clark 2.0 situation or no you know brawl where drunk students are fighting the other team of your rival. That's I'm not here for that. Get the opponents off the court in a safe and efficient manner, and let the students and the home team celebrate on the court. There's nothing wrong with that. That is what makes college sports special. And why I don't think that all of a sudden we should take that away. That LSU should be fined for what was a great environment and an awesome scene after the game. Awesome. Please. Can we please allow what makes college sports special to live on and to be praised and celebrated, not just to, you know, be a slap on the wrist and not be taken away and, and think, oh, my gosh, I got to pearl my, you know, clutch my pearls. I, I can't believe they're rushing the court. Don't do this again. We got to stop. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227. We talked about LeBron James before. I think it's really bad optics that he played in the All-Star game and now is missing the first game back from the All-Star break. Chris is calling from California. Some thoughts on that. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's going on, man? How are we doing? What's on your mind? Good. I was just listening to you, and um, it just kind of, like, triggered me to call in as far as the LeBron James finding out he was out and, you know, he played in the All-Star game. I feel like a lot of these athletes nowadays, and that's, what's, that's what possibly will ruin, if not he's already ruining his reputation. Um, and, again, we're talking about LeBron James. Right. Um, why are you going to let all these role players, bench players, whoever, come and do all the dirty work, and then once you make it into the playoffs, oh, then it's then it's uh, grind time, you know? 
It's the same thing with the Philadelphia Eagles when they made the Super Bowl last year. Like, they wanted the easy route out, you know? They wanted the easy schedule. They wanted the first round bye. And then, you know, it, 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 these guys are cowards. And they keep throwing money at these people, and it's just all for rate, uh, ratings. And it's ridiculous, dude. If you want to be a legend, go out there, compete when it actually matters instead of, like, throwing yourself in the all-star game just to you know, make yourself look cool or whatever. These dudes are ridiculous. These athletes are ridiculous. That's all I have to say. Thank you for the call, Chris. A few things. Um, number one, I don't get the Eagles comp. Like, I would. this is what I say about the Eagles. I think that they assumed that this year would be as easy as last year. Where they rolled through everyone in the regular season, where the, the most dominant regular season team went 14-3, and three, breezed through the playoffs, and obviously up until the Chiefs game, didn't really play a tough game on their schedule. I think they assumed 2023 was going to be the same. I wouldn't say they're cowards or wanted the easy way out. I just think they assumed, oh, it's going to be easy again. We're so good. Let's just throw the ball out there. Let's throw our jock shops out there, and it's going to be the same result. I think mentally they weren't looking for an easy way out. I think mentally they thought this is going to be just as easy, and they were not ready for the challenge or the adversity they faced. When it comes to LeBron, I mean, I don't I don't phrase it as he is taking the easy way out of letting the role players do all the dirty work, and then come playoff time, he's there for the glory. Like, part of it is, like, LeBron is 39. You he is not the same player he was at 25. He's not playing 80 games in the regular season, then playing 45 minutes a night in the postseason. Like I will say, load management, Chris, is a problem in the NBA. It's not a problem for LeBron James. That has never been a guy who has been a load management proponent. He's been the opposite of Kawhi Leonard. And he's been someone that as long as he's healthy, he's been out there. Now, my big thing is just like, I think the optics are horrible where, I for me, you can't miss the last game before the All-Star break against the Jazz because of an ankle injury. And it's a legit ankle injury. Rehab, all, all you know, All-Star break, show up to the game, play 14 minutes with a hurt ankle, and then all of a sudden be ruled out for the first game back for the break. I don't think you can do that. If LeBron didn't play... On Sunday night, if he played no minutes, if he was there but didn't play, honestly, I'm not even sure if I'm bringing this up. Because I do think now at 39, you have to be careful with LeBron's minutes. You do have to make sure he's healthy because, look, the Lakers need as close to, I mean, LeBron's not 100% in terms of health or even just like, you know, his ability, right? He's 39, he's aging, he's nowhere near the player he used to be. So let's just call it 75% of LeBron James, like his max now, right? 75%. Well, the Lakers need LeBron as close as they possibly could get him to 75% come playoff time. So that means sitting him games down the stretch. I get that aspect. What I don't get is how if you're LeBron, you could play on Sunday night in an all-star game that doesn't matter. That is an exhibition that has no impact on the season whatsoever, has no impact on your legacy whatsoever. Throw down a few dunks, run up and down the court a few times, but then not be healthy enough to play tonight. To sit out tonight's game against the Warriors. That, to me, makes it look like your priorities are out of whack. It's a back-to-back. He probably was not going to play anyway. Or, you know, he was probably going to miss one of those games. 
when you look at the ability to win, playing tonight made more sense. That's where, for me, LeBron lost me. Not load management. He's never been one of those guys. But also, too, you got to realize, in terms of, like, LeBron coasting, as you say, Chris, uh, you know, and then coming in for the glory of the postseason, that's the way the Lakers want it. That's the way Michael Malone kind of said it. We talked, you know, we heard him uh, about 20 minutes ago. He was someone that was saying, as long as we're healthy come playoff time, we're going to play our starters and no one's going to beat us. So that means giving Nikola Jokic a day or two here and there, they'll do it to ensure he is as close to 100% healthy as possible. Because you know and I know, Chris, the one thing we always talk about is playoff performance. We don't care about a game in January nearly as much as we care about a game in April. Playoffs matter. Speaking of which, when we return, what is the best college football playoff format? I'll tell you. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR.